The information provided in this podcast episode is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is in no way a replacement for a therapeutic relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Welcome to another episode of the Minding My Black Business Podcast, and this is your host, Dr. Janae Taylor. Family, on today's episode, we have a special guest. We have a fellow therapist, Melissa Douglas, who has an online counseling mental health practice. And so we are going to talk about what is online counseling? What does it look like? How can you participate? And what are some things that you need to be mindful of? We had a fantastic time um, talking therapist to therapist, friend to friend, um, and I know you enjoy. Take a listen. Welcome to Minding My Black Business. Welcome, family, to another episode of the Minding My Black Business podcast. And today's topic is so very timely in days such as this. Um, I am so excited um, to have this guest on the show. Y'all, she is so flexible. I mean, I messaged her in the 11th hour to get on the recording. <laughs> and she and she obliged and was so warm and welcoming. And so let's all welcome uh, Melissa Degas to the show. So m- welcome, Melissa, to the Minding My Thank Black you. Business podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for agreeing. Uh, yeah. On this sunny Friday. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we are overdue for some sunlight and some warmth and a little bit of peace. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> All of that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Melissa, can you introduce yourself to the family and then let them know where they can find you? Absolutely. So I'm Melissa Douglas. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and a board certified telemental health provider. I am the founder of a completely virtual counseling practice. We are probably about two and a half years, going on three years of existence. So I'm based in St. Louis, Missouri, but we serve the entire state of Missouri, Illinois, and California. And uh yeah, we, we do completely video conferencing with our with our clients. I also do quite a bit of telehealth consulting with individuals and organizations to help them integrate technology into their the services that they provide. Uh, I also am an adjunct professor um, at a local university here in Missouri, and I teach a graduate level social work course on integrating technology with social work practice. So I got a good variety of, of some stuff that, that I do. Um, now in these times, I'm, I'm even more um, um, mommy <laughs> around these places. <laughs> full time too. So I also have three little ones that uh, just make up a big, big part of, of my life as well. So yeah, that's me and people can find me uh, largely right now through our website, which is goaldrivencounseling.com. But then also I am on like IG and Facebook as the virtual clinician. Fantastic. Um, yeah, you are in demand, man. We need you. <laughs> Help, help us. <laughs> yes. I've been feeling it the last right. <laughs> I imagine. I can only imagine. Um, and yeah, we'll make sure we have those links um, to both your, your website and social media pages so that people can follow mm-hmm. you and um, 
yeah, for those of for those folks who happen to be in those states, um, that they can go ahead and get connected with services. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So how are you doing? How are you living this coronavirus, COVID nineteen life? How how are you? Yeah. So I I think we are coming up on our fourth full week of of the of huge transitions and i i can honestly and truthfully say i'm doing really well now mm-hmm. i would not have been able to say that a couple weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> this transition was uh vast you know not only from you know, having three children that we're having to navigate homeschooling and things for. Um, my husband is an essential worker. And, you know, although he's not in healthcare, he is an IT for hospital systems. And that has created a, a huge demand with his role, with, with what's needed. So that's kind of have, has taken him out of, of the the daily uh, help <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> with uh, with our children. And then at the same time, like you said, service requests and, and need for information and direction for as, as we have a whole nation of clinicians that are transitioning to do services, it created a huge demand for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm thankful and, and grateful that I'm, that I have the, the position of of being pretty well versed in this pre you know COVID, right. but the first few weeks, like my heart just went out to so many clinicians that had to do this at the drop of a hat. You know, like it was it was my decision to have a completely virtual practice, which meant that I could take my time. I did it as I was comfortable, and I just completely empathized with my fellow clinicians that didn't have that opportunity and was kind of thrown in trying to figure it out uh, really really quickly. So I would say the first two and a half weeks or so was very demanding, very stressful, very overwhelming as um, I literally helped a couple hundred clinicians um, through my through my email, through webinars, through trainings to help them feel confident in being able to to make this transition. But, you know, put in put in some boundaries there. I think one one thought that has really been able to settle me mm-hmm. is is remembering that I am one piece of a collective effort. Absolutely. And, you know, and so that took some of that pressure off of feeling like I needed to be the one to give, 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 give everything. And it helped me to re-engage some good boundaries, some good self-care, some limits <laughs> that I needed to <laughs> reconnect with. Yeah, so I had a couple of weeks where I was I was doing it all and doing it all to the the through the midnight oil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that has shifted and like I said, just new boundaries, new self care and or re engaging self care and I'm doing really, really well now. Well, I'm so glad um, that you are able to take some self-care because I don't think those requests and inquiries are going to stop coming um, mm-hmm. and demand for your expertise. Um, you know, I asked you, you know, can you come on the show? So, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I definitely appreciate you, you know, taking care of yourself. And I certainly was one of those clinicians that uh, was scrambling. Um, and and scrambling is... That's probably a better word for that. But it's so interesting that you mentioned, you know, you had the ability to choose to do telehealth. And back in the (laughs) fall, I said the same thing. Like, I'm going to add this service to my practice. So I purchased the certification packet. 
um, in a program or whatever we're going to call it and had never done it. Um, I was like, well, make sure it's in place by January because then it might snow and, you know, I can help, you know, uh, but didn't do it. Uh, and so uh, when March came around, uh, <laughs> I had to go find my law again uh, and, and power through it over like three days. And um, yeah, so doing that and the paperwork and you know, fortunately, some, you know, some of the ways in which we were already doing, you know, if you have an electronic system that you were working with, they had the ability to add this piece on the telehealth stuff. So um, right. my stretch wasn't, you know, I, I didn't have to stretch as far as others, but it definitely was, you know, the way that you framed it is exactly the way it happened. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was a hectic, like three to five days um, in terms of yeah. getting things together. Um, but yeah, so I want to pull back a little bit. So how did entrepreneurship find you? Like, why did you decide I am going to, you know, take on a business and what? Don't shake your head. What? <laughs> this is not for the week. And, uh, you know, this is pre-corona. It was not for the week. And now certainly us, us uh, you know, black business owners, small businesses, solopreneurs, this is, mm-hmm. ooh, yeah. Why, why, yeah. Did you, why did you put this on yourself? Why did you do it? <laughs> why, why did you do it? Wow. So, you know what? It, it, I, honestly, it just happened. I had, I never really saw myself as an entrepreneur. I didn't come from a background or being around or the, or being exposed to many entrepreneurs or having personal relationships with entrepreneurs. So honestly, I, I just don't think it ever was something that I don't know that I felt I could do, but it was more so the thought of, it just wasn't in my vision really at all. Mm-hmm. And so long story short, my, my last uh, role uh, as, an, as an employee, I, I transitioned from a direct practice role where I was doing like some clinical case management work mm-hmm. into a kind of mid, mid-level supervisor role where I was managing a team, but I, you know, of course had the directors and things above me. Mm-hmm. And this was who about maybe almost five years ago or so now, okay. and I um, I didn't like my job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I I did not like my new role. I realized that I was not fully ready to leave the direct practice role yet, mm-hmm. and just be completely in management. I, I found myself really yearning to still be in the middle of the clinical work and do the clinical work, mm-hmm. as opposed to just making all the decisions about the clinical work. Right. Um, the 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 support wasn't always there wasn't there that in the way that I needed it I wasn't being led in the way that I needed to be led and that reciprocal relationship of being able to communicate what my needs are and while I was giving my all to the organization I don't feel like the organization was giving their all to me to be honest Mm -hmm. so by this point I started to seek out what are some ways that I can get back into that direct practice role I knew I wanted to transition into therapy I was doing more of like clinical uh, clinical social work at that time Mm -hmm. so I wanted to transition more into therapy um, I was, you know, fully licensed by that time and all of that. And I remember talking with my husband about it because, to be honest, looking back at some of those direct practice roles, the pay was horrible. 
<laughs> the pay was not it. Right. And uh, I remember just talking to my husband about it and just being very frustrated that, you know, I, I paid for my licensing and that whole process out of my pocket. It wasn't a, a company benefit from where I worked at before. Mm-hmm. And just feeling like I was investing so much in myself to agree to a salary of, of what I was seeing just was, it was unacceptable right. at that particular point. So it was really my husband mm-hmm. that uh, kind of looked at me. He was like, didn't you say all them, all them letters behind your name and you can have your own practice? Uh-uh. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> yes. And I hadn't really, you know, just private practice had not really crossed my mind, really. And it was him that kind of pushed the, you know, introduced the idea and kind of pushed me to look into it a little bit more. And then we started having conversations about it. Um, again, I mentioned he's in IT, so technology has always been a very huge part of our lives. And we just started to have conversations conversations about how great it would be. You know, some of the organizations were already out there, like the Talk Spaces and Better Helps and all of those. So there are already some organizations that were integrating the technology with mental health, mm-hmm. but I also saw a lot of deficits with some of those organizations. And our conversations, I noticed that I was getting so excited mm-hmm. talking about the way in which I wanted to do private practice using using technology and really keeping a lot of the essence of being led by and run by a clinician Mm -hmm. um which i which doesn't happen with some of these other organizations um the excitement that came with that just helped me to really make that decision so you know what i'm gonna do this we we gonna do this Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and see what what works so we're now again like almost three years in and I'm still honestly learning a lot of the business side you know I know I'm a dope clinician but I was I'm I was struggling at first with this whole business (laughs) piece and all of that means to 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 be a brand and so to lead and grow a brand like it's all of the strategic processes and and um framework that you kind of need to have in order to have a sound business that's stuff that i had to learn along the way absolutely but i'm here and i ain't going nowhere i saw it like i couldn't imagine working for anybody else like this is this is great yeah i think (laughs) yeah it is hard to imagine having a supervisor again like what that would even look like yeah no, ma'am. yeah no ma'am wings won't be clipped i'm i'm not listen i'm in that choir that you preach it to right now i'm in that choir yes. <laughs> and you and and to you know balance that out too like you gotta know what works for you you gotta know your strengths you gotta also know your weaknesses you know being an entrepreneur deciding and saying you know i could couldn't see myself having a supervisor again or anything like that still comes with having to know your weaknesses Mm -hmm. and what you need to improve on and do better at so that's not knocking you know the people that are happy in you know all of that too but i just knowing myself now and knowing feeling all of the limits and the red tape kind of being off of me is just it's a freedom (laughs) that I don't want to ever be bound again (laughs) right right yeah you bring up a a beautiful point and you know there is a a huge sacrifice that you take on by deciding to 
well, set of sacrifices that you take on by deciding yeah. to open your own business. You know, you have to figure out the the benefits piece, right? So that's the that's the beauty of having a job and a benefits package. And yeah. there is no sick leave. There is no <laughs> vacation days. Um, you know, uh, insurance and all those beautiful things that are really, really important. And so I think you're right. And one of the ways that I tend to think about it is that entrepreneurship will highlight those weaknesses. So if you uh, are, are poor at time management, that is going to show. If you yeah. um, are not good about responding in a timely fashion to clients, uh, that is going to be highlighted. So um yeah. So not only do you need to know your weaknesses, they are going to show for the world. And so you need to have a solution yeah. <laughs> on the other side for that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with with what you said. Um, yeah. I saw a, a posting uh, a few days ago that said it's only uh, mental health therapists that refer to this as telehealth. Um, and so <laughs> I am in my own, it made me pause because I was like, I have been saying telehealth, telehealth. I wonder if people know what I'm talking about outside of clinicians. Um, mm-hmm. so, <laughs> and, you know, sometimes we can be guilty of that using our therapy speak uh, yep. thinking that everybody understands what we're saying. Um, yeah. And so for everybody, for the family, what is telehealth? When I, when I keep saying that, what am I talking about and how does, how does it work? <laughs> <laughs> you know that's so real though because the terminology is is important so Mm -hmm. honestly when we're even referring to it as as telehealth as clinicians we're not even talking about exactly what we're doing what we do Mm. so telehealth is the larger framework of any medical it can be actual service it can be education it can be um just resources and things, but anything medical related that you use telecommunications or technology to to communicate that Mm -hmm. thing or to transmit that medical piece, that's what telehealth is. So actually what we do as clinicians, it's a subset of telehealth because it spans across different different, uh, disciplines. So you have telepsychiatry, you have teledentistry. I don't know how you do dentistry through technology, but you have it out there. You have uh, telemental health. Mm-hmm. So, so what we do as as clinicians is telemental health because that is what encompasses us as behavioral health mm-hmm. providers. But you're so right when it comes to to terminology, and that was something that I had to pick up on when I was when I first opened my practice. I was talking about telemental health and telemental health, mm-hmm. and it it took outside people to ask questions and be like, okay, and what is that exactly? Mm-hmm. So I transitioned on that side of my counseling practice. We say virtual counseling mm-hmm. or online counseling because people can identify quicker with what yes. that means. You know, you have some people that call it teletherapy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But then now on my consulting side, because I am communicating with other, a lot of times behavioral health clinicians or organizations, I do use the actual technical term of telemental health because we should know, you right. know, what what that means. So you're so right, you know, terminology is it's important mm-hmm. but that's the telehealth is the larger framework that's that's where telemedicine falls under so when we are popping up our doctors on mm-hmm. ipads or phones that's telehealth yeah you know and then what we do as behavioral health providers is telemental health but to make it easy for everybody it's online it's virtual counseling it's right right <laughs> Duly noted. I'm going to change that to online counseling. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. 
taking notes, y'all. I'm taking notes. So, um, why might online counseling, see, I caught it. Uh, why might <laughs> online counseling be a good option, um, particularly for black entrepreneurs? Yes, I think, you know, so the the basic pros, right, of, you know, it, it reduces transportation and in, mm-hmm. it can decrease the stigma and increases access. Like, I think all of us are very quickly able to identify those things. Mm-hmm. But for us as Black clinicians, and I didn't realize this when I first started, but it, but it quickly became very evident mm-hmm. in the clientele that was, that was seeking us and what they would say when they first reached out. Mm-hmm. And so many of our uh, clients in their contact forms or in that, in that console call, they would say, I was looking for a black therapist mm-hmm. and I couldn't find one mm-hmm. or it wasn't one close or the one that was close wasn't taking new, you know, new patients. And so when we think about the fact that we are such a small percentage mm-hmm. of behavioral health providers, right? I think, you know, the last percentage still said like under 3%, right? right? So when we think about the fact that we are such a small percentage of providers, however, we also know that representation is so important, mm-hmm. that, that, that cultural humility and cultural understanding of, of the different nuances of kind of what we experience in the world mm-hmm. <laughs> as, as, as Black people, mm-hmm. uh, that's important. It's, it's really important for um, people that are looking for us mm-hmm. to be able to find us. Absolutely. So when you, when you take that geographical barrier off, when you take off, you know, location, now that client feels empowered. Mm-hmm. And they say, you know, typically when you think about somebody getting referrals and, and it happens online too, right? You, you slide people, you know, three to five choices. Mm-hmm. And typically what they naturally do is they go online and they look at, at profiles, but they're also looking at where's this person located and how long is it going to take me to get to them? Because if one clinician's office is an hour and a half away, mm-hmm. you know, from my job or my home, am I really going to make that sacrifice to, to be committed to my therapy? services but if I really like this clinician and their profile and I really feel like they're a good fit for me and I don't have to worry about location I can connect with them over a computer oh that's a win-win right there absolutely absolutely I didn't realize as a as a black provider how empowering it was for clients that desired and needed someone that looked like me or had the background or experience like me to be able to connect with me I was like oh you shoo y'all just changed the game (laughs) you know and I'm very happy and proud you know to say that our practice serves 98% African-American you know, clients and a large percentage of them, it's their first time seeking therapy, Mm -hmm. you know, so that, that past narrative of, you know, you know, black people don't seek counseling or, Mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff, it it is really changing. And when we offer different ways in order for that need to be met, Mm -hmm. then we're literally meeting our clients where they are. That's for sure. That's for sure. And now we have this extra context of not being able uh, (laughs) to drive um, Mm -hmm. the hour and a half given the, you know, given where you are in terms of a particular state, but I know the state of Virginia has the stay at home order um, Mm -hmm. unless you're an essential worker or um, going out for groceries, medicine or, or, uh, you know, so 
for small business owners right now, for black entrepreneurs who mostly are small business owners having five or fewer employees and, and the majority of us being solopreneurs, um, I think we are finding that not only are we having to figure out how to pivot really quickly with our businesses. So, you know, mm-hmm. not just clinicians, but also those who have brick and mortar adding delivery services, adding curbside pickup, um, mm-hmm. managing the stress of that. Because what also is happening is recognizing the financial impact that's happening for us now and scrambling to secure funds. You know, we're hearing information about relief packets. And so mm-hmm. I just think about the level of not even to mention that, you know, your family. So, you know, having to homeschool, having to make sure the household is still running. So I'm imagining the level of stress, um, anxiety. I don't even have to imagine it. I'm hearing it. Stress, anxiety, <laughs> um, isolation that's happening. Um, for all of us. And I think if you're a business owner during this time, it just kind of adds another piece. And so the reason why this conversation for me is so important um, about online counseling is I think it might be something that at first felt inaccessible in terms of like, I don't have the time as a small business owner to to carve this piece out. But the idea mm-hmm. of meeting people where they are and that it requires, you know, a, wifi, a good Wi-Fi signal and preferably yeah. a set of headphones or something because sometimes it's hard to hear y'all. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that kind of reduced some of the barriers that you were talking about. Um, yeah. And I am just hoping that in these spaces while people are scrambling to build their business that they don't forget them um mm. in terms of like on the other side of this we are going to get through this y'all but on the other side <laughs> of this we have added another layer to kind of cope um mm. with this mm-hmm. transition um mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yes largely yeah and I think one one big thing that I've been thinking about during this time, not only for my myself, but just family and friends and everything, like we have to um, decrease that that urge to continue to compare the experience to what we had before, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like we have to take what this is right now for what it is and make it work the way that it works best for us right right? so whatever that looks like in regards to scheduling engaging in your with your job with your kids homeschooling with your self-care with your alone time or together time your outside time your movement time like this is like prime time to figure to learn yourself more Mm -hmm. and to figure out what those limits and those boundaries are and it took us a couple weeks to figure that out Mm-hmm. You know, that, you know, that no, our schedule not beginning at eight o'clock and everybody hit the floor. No, that's not going to work for us. You know, so it's re- we right. really had to figure out, you know, what what's the prime time for, for me to work versus, you know, my husband to work or, or what's the prime hours for the kids to do their work? And then when do they need to take a break? And let's make sure we get outside every day mm-hmm. and let's make sure we're not together too much. I still need some alone time. Go to your room and you go to your room and I'm going to sit on this porch, but you stay inside. Then You know, it's, it's right. really what works for you and decreasing that urge to compare what it is now because I've been hearing a lot of people say you know oh it's just not the same it's just not the same of course it's not the same because it's not the same right (laughs) 
<laughs> you know? So how can we experience this experience right. for what it is? Absolutely. And I know that's that's been very helpful for for us. Yeah, yeah. And more counselors speak, you know, the idea of being present, right? So yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. No, I think I think you're you're so right. And you know, even before you know, we were talking before uh, the interview, and I mentioned having to kind of do that reset each week, like mm-hmm. having to really sort of think about what my calendar looks like for the week, um, multiple times throughout the week. So not just like on Sunday or Monday, but even this morning, I was thinking about okay, now what do I have to do? starting the weekend to get to the other side and so um Mm -hmm. yeah it is the idea of being one um you know allowing a lot of flexibility and some grace because you could have all these beautiful ideas um Mm -hmm. and and fall short Girl, yes. I, yes. And I won't work out yet. Right. I mean, I definitely have succumbed to a nap or two. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> but that's okay because I woke up feeling refreshed and I got some other stuff done. Um, yes. And so I think it is, you know, uh, we all are being challenged by the ways in which we can be kind to ourselves and each mm-hmm. other um, um, during this time. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Are there people that online counseling might not be a good for, fit for? Yeah, so that that's a really good question. And I'm just really, it's been so interesting to see the shift and the uh, lightening of like regulations and, and best practices and all that kind of stuff. Because pre-COVID, you know, we talked talk a lot about how, so one, to largely answer your question, there's not a, a large population that this approach is not, you know, particularly good for. Mm-hmm. However, we, you know, have to think about it on an individual level. So largely people who might be experiencing um, any kind of, of psychosis with any hallucinations around technology or delusions around technology, right? We have some people who feel that it's very unsafe to um, use technology or that someone might be spying on them through it or, or it might be tapped and you know some of the the reality for them that comes with that so if I'm a person who and my mental health is challenged in that way then of course introducing you know technology to engage in services is not a good fit right. for that person right um, you know a lot of people shy away from um, telehealth with anyone that might be having like any suicidal or homicidal thoughts Mm -hmm. and it's like okay largely we can't completely um say that that population or someone that's experiencing uh though that experience is not a good fit for telehealth we just need more assessment right right. if if the if the ideation is just there but there's no plan there's no intent there's no means Mm -hmm. then let's appropriately assess through that and maybe this might be an avenue to support them to not get to that space Right. You know, but I was thinking before how there was a the best practice that, you know, telehealth might not be great for like complex traumas and working through traumas in that way Mm -hmm. with different uh, treatment modalities and approaches. Um, But, you know, I think a couple of days after after uh, COVID became like a real like national thing, Mm -hmm. the EMDR Institute, which is a a treatment modality that really works with trauma and reprocessing trauma and stuff, they release like, you know, best practices with doing EMDR online. And it Mm -hmm. hadn't, it hadn't been really released that this was an approach that was appropriate online, you know? 
uh, it, I think pre-COVID, it was very hard to imagine play therapists doing doing telehealth. And now there's a whole teleplay community mm-hmm. on Facebook. So I actually have gotten really excited about a lot of the just limitations being lifted Absolutely. right now. But as clinicians, it's still important for us to appropriately assess, to make sure that we are asking the right questions, we know the right information, we're honoring whatever the client desires, right? So there are going to be some clients that say, look, I don't want to do this way. I'm not comfortable with this way. It doesn't feel right to me. I just want to wait till you get back in office. We got to honor that. Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. for them, there are some clinicians that are not very comfortable mm-hmm. with this approach either and are trying to, you know, make their way or may just decide that, you know what, I might pause a little bit and come back to it later or wait till we can get back in office. We got to honor that. Absolutely. So it's it's a very, I think, individual experience, but a lot of the, you know, quote unquote, who this might not be a good fit for. Mm-hmm. I think at this particular time, it's just a universal understanding that if a person doesn't need more acute services like hospitalization mm-hmm. or something like that, then you can really take your try at telehealth right. Right. And, and see if you can, you know, figure out a way of engaging them that works for for them in your practice. Absolutely. Yeah. So you, you spoke about, um, you know, some of the, the ways in which, you know, therapists have pivoted, transitioned their practices um, online um, and some of the things that we have had to do to, to make sure that our business is ready to go. What, what should people expect during that first telehealth, telemental health, online counseling session what should they expect that to to look like mm-hmm. what should the, the client or the clinician the client the client hopefully the, the clinician is, is aware yeah. but the cli- <laughs> that's a conversation for another day but uh the client <laughs> okay but i appreciate you asking uh yeah 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 the client so they are you know they've listened to the the show they listen to you and they're like yeah i uh appreciate what melissa had to say and i think i'm gonna try that um but what, what would that even look like, that, that first session or so? Yeah, so but before they even get to the first session, I would really hope that there's some communication either through the consent form and there's, well, it, it has to be through the consent form. Right. But then also possibly through like the clinician's website if they have one or any other kind of documentation. But pre the initial assessment or or appointment we should be informing the client on 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 what to expect or how to prepare for that first session right so i gotta let you know that before we start this with using technology there are possibilities of of disruption in our connection and service and if a call might drop or if we are disrupted in any way this is what you can expect Mm -hmm. in regards to like my backup plan Mm -hmm. so a a client should be comfortable in knowing like okay as I engage this if anything kind of goes awry this is what kind this clinician is either going to call me or x y and z they should also be prepared and knowing like what's the best way to prepare for this like you know should I be connected to to wi-fi should I disconnect other devices in my in my home or if I have the ability uh from my internet right should I connect directly into my 
my my router with an ethernet cord should i get should i locate myself as close as possible to wherever my internet source is coming from uh, should i do a practice run real quick to make sure i know exactly where to go and exactly what to push you know some for a lot of systems the first time that a person engages in the service they have to give the the platform permission to access their camera and to access their microphone. And those are not things you want to be fiddling with at 902 and your approvals at 9 o'clock. Right, right, right. So there, there should be previous to the first appointment, just some preparation and communication about what this looks like yes. and how to adequately prepare yourself to even, even reduce some of the anxiety mm-hmm. of that first appointment. But then also, once you actually get there as a client, if this is a new appointment with a new provider, Mm -hmm. um, that provider is probably going to ask for you to verify your identity. Mm -hmm. And so with that, you're holding, you know, some kind of picture ID up to the camera so that the clinician can just match that you are who you have said you are on these consent forms. Mm -hmm. Um, They should be probably just going through quick... um, a quick assessment of, hey, is is the lighting good for you? The clinician, right? right Just right. telling them like, hey, can you see me okay? If I can't see you well, I might uh, process with you how to, or share some ways on how you can position yourself different so that I can see your face pretty well, because I really want to see that that affect and, and non-verbals during the appointment. I want to make sure volume is okay. I don't want you to feel like I'm screaming at you if it's too loud, but I also don't want you straining to hear me either. So we're going to check that. And then I tend to just like to ask my, my clients, like, you know, was it, was it comfortable for you getting in here? Did you have any issues with connecting or, you know, are you comfortable right now? A lot of clients and a lot of platforms, they're able to use their cell phones Mm -hmm. to do their appointments. So I do not want you sitting for 45, 50 minutes holding this phone up to your face. Can we prop it up? (laughs) You know, somewhere so that I can see you pretty well. I don't want your arm sleep. You know, so that first appointment, is going to feel like just a lot of of check-in right. to see like are is are you set up well does this feel comfortable for you do you have any questions for me before we actually get into you know doing our assessment and getting started with that initial appointment mm-hmm. wonderful tips wonderful tips and i found that some of the clients that i've been working with in office very much i'm doing that having that same conversation with them in our first in our first uh session um and they've commented on that like wow this is so different but it's in a lot of ways it's cool to be able to do that (laughs) and um you know i'm also finding that clients are feeling very grateful um and very trusting of us that we are able to offer this service in spite of this time or even have it in general um because you're so right about the representation piece and so mm-hmm. um i am biased and i'm going to claim it that i think you know we all at this time if we can find the time and have the resources um financial mm-hmm. resources to make it happen then what an ideal time to start this process of, of therapy and getting the support you need um yeah because we all are anxious really on top of whatever else we got going on we all are anxious uh yes. <laughs> to a small yeah. degree or a larger degree there's something that we're worried about or stressed about in the way that this thing has impacted our lives um, mm-hmm. so those are beautiful tips um, for folks to pay attention to and, and make note of 
Yeah. Yeah. So I could truly be talking to you all day about this, but I won't. Because <laughs> um, at some point you're going to start charging me for that. So, uh, <laughs> so we're not going to do that. But, uh, <laughs> but before I let you go, I must ask you this last question. Um, what does minding my black business mean to you? Mm, I was waiting on the question. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> let let me add. Can I let me add one more thing for clinicians before Absolutely. before I do that? So <clears throat> we've been inundated right with with webinars, trainings, all kind of great resources, and I've I've been so happy to see that to mm-hmm. universally help clinicians to to do this and and do it well. A lot of the communication, though, is very in that that training of the the delivery modality mindset, right? So this is what you need for ethics, ethics and best practices, and and to for for legal things and all that kind of stuff. And I just want to throw in here real quick that um, research has shown us that the the effectiveness of telehealth is not so much on the client side; it's the clinician's comfort with the treatment delivery modality. And so I always like to make sure that clinicians know that even when you're using technology, I'm I'm noticing that a lot of clinicians are just not confident in their ability to navigate technology well. You know, it it scares them, it makes them feel, you know, not competent, it makes them um, nervous about like if something does happen, if that that call does drop or freeze or whatever, what's my ability to navigate through this tech issue, right? Like I'm a therapist, not an IT person, you know? So, but I, I always tell them like, if you build that rapport and you build that relationship and you be that great clinician that you are, all of that you're gonna be able to navigate through that with your client and and they gonna give you grace and <laughs> and all of that so I, I just I just want to before we end remind clinicians that even if it's through a screen you still have all your skills your expertise your relationship building your all the great things that that come with being a clinician and relating with and connecting with people and working people through um, just their journeys, all of that is there. Mm -hmm. And when you feel confident in your ability to permeate that through a screen, Mm -hmm. then that's the, that's like one of the most important factors in all of this is, is taking that deep breath before those calls Mm -hmm. and saying, you know what, let me just be the best clinician that I already know how to naturally be. And all the rest of this will fall into place. So I just want to encourage clinicians before we kind of end out to know that, yes, it's overwhelming. Yes, it induces anxiety and it can it can make you feel like, God, I just got another job that I that I don't quite feel qualified in. Mm -hmm. But the most important job that you have at that time, you're more than qualified in and to not allow that imposter syndrome to take over that that therapeutic experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Right. That so that good. Good old, that good old question. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> no, thank. No, thank you for that. I wanna. I wanna. You know, respond to that. I. I appreciate you mentioning that because you're absolutely right. We are. Um, most clinicians, you know, legal, legal, legalities and ethics are yes. at the forefront of our mind. You're taking mm-hmm. on a new uh, modality. 
Um, and so it does feel like, oh no, dude, I have forgotten all the other pieces that I was, you know, been trained on and been doing every day, you know? Um, and so you're right, um, that, you know, sort of pausing and taking a breath and, and mm-hmm. leaning back on that expertise. It's going to be, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Yes. That's beautiful. Yeah. 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 So what does it mean, uh, to mm-hmm. me? Mm-hmm. Uh, see, I was excited for it, and now I'm all nervous again. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no. I, yeah, I think it, so for me, what it, what it means is to, to, to be the best that we can be, you know, to, to lead with, with integrity, to really give our, our all into a great customer experience, investing in ourselves and continuing to develop ourselves to become, you know, experts and specialists in, in what it is that, that we desire um, in this field and just to, to do it and do it well, mm-hmm. you know, like just the fact that we have grown, like specifically black women, that we've grown, you know, so much as, as entrepreneurs to, in the percentage realm, <laughs> right, right. right. As, as entrepreneurs in the world, like I just think we bring so much and we have such unique visions and we're so creative and we see new solutions to old problems. And when we are able to give our, put our best foot forward and make sure that we're doing what we do and we do it well with our customers at the forefront of our minds and, and integrity in our hearts, mm-hmm. then, then that's what really drives and, and motivates me. That's beautiful. I, there's nothing else to be said. <laughs> Melissa has said it. Um, the, <laughs> no, that's quite beautiful. That is, it is. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Melissa, for taking time out um, of your day uh, to to help us. I said at the beginning, help us. Uh, so you've helped the clients and you've helped the clinicians in this, in this, in this interview. So thank you so much for being a part of this. Yes, you are so welcome. Thank you for just even even calling on me to support. That's one thing that I have really tried to prioritize and it's been a part of me just figuring out boundaries and self-care is that I I, I know that what I can give in this time is, is, is what a lot of people need. And I just appreciate you uh, calling on me to be able to, to give that in a different way. And I really appreciate that. enjoyed this episode as much as I did family we appreciate you listening we need you to do us a favor we need you to like comment and subscribe to the podcast also join us at following the movement on our website at mindingmyblackbusiness.com there you can find our minding my black business merchandise and you can also find our digital academy now our academy is the place where we are looking to expand our resources particularly emotional wellness resources for black entrepreneurs and we already have worksheets there we have more resources to come you can follow us on our social media platforms on twitter we are minding my black biz on instagram it's at dr janae taylor and on Facebook, it's at Dr. Janae Taylor. So peace and blessings to us all. And when you're out there and they ask you what you're doing, don't forget to tell them, I'm minding my black business. <laughs>